You are listening to the Body Charge podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Welcome to the Body Charge podcast. Today's topic is exercise deficiency hacks if you can't get to the gym. Many office workers sit way too much during the day, sit again in transport to and from work, and sit again to watch TV after dinner. Exercise deficiency ages us prematurely and leads to metabolic issues and degenerative diseases. If you are one of those finding it hard to get motivated to go out at night to the gym or may have kids and other responsibilities where you don't have the opportunity for outside exercise, but want to use it so you don't lose it, then don't despair because my special guest today, Sherry Traxler, has some tips to help you manage it all. She's an exercise physiologist and national speaker for the Medical Fitness Association and has fitness episodes, has led fitness episodes for Biocom Cable, taught corporate wellness at Belmont University and directed programs for 12 years at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Sheree holds her master's in health promotion and is a certified personal trainer, health coach, nutrition specialist and intuitive eating counselor. Her book is called Go Forward, 28 Days to Eat, Move and Enjoy Life God's Way. What a lovely title to a book. Welcome aboard, Cherie. Cherie, is that, did you. I say it that the right so way? Wonderful. You did. <laughs> I'm highly impressed. Congratulations. So I was thinking, is it Cherie or Cherie? But that's good. Intuition works sometimes. <laughs> yes. So my first question for you is, why do we have to move our body enough every day to hold back the effects of aging for as long as possible? What happens to us in a sedentary lifestyle? How does this degenerate us more quickly? So I love that you have referenced movement in all of that, and as well as exercise, because it harkens back to what we call in my field, the London bus driver study. In exercise physiology, this was how, if you've heard, Sandy, if you've heard of you need to exercise three days a week, five days a week for 30 to 60 minutes, have you heard things like that? Yes, yes. You have? Okay. Um, so there, there's a, there was a uh, an expression a while ago, I don't know if it's still used today, the Swiss created a program called Sportlek, which is very fast spurts of high level energy and then you would go to a low level very um moderate speed to catch your breath and then you'd have mm -hmm. another big shot and of you know big squeeze and go for it as strong as you could and overall that um kind of rhythm means that you spend less time exercising but get a bigger benefit from it is that right that is, it's high intensity interval training is what you've just described. Yes, and yes. it has pros and cons, uh, which we certainly can dive into. So the, some of the pros of that is it does take less time. There are a lot of cons as well, that it can be harder on the joints. Most people, unless they enjoy that high intensity, they tend not to stick with it. So you've got the time factor, but you've also got the enjoyment factor and the I was mentioning the London bus driver study with that type of exercise, it's not high intensity. And it's what we found actually, as far as to your question of how we hold back aging when 
in the, in London, they noticed that they were having about 50% of the transportation crews having heart disease, having heart attacks. And they went in to figure out an epidemiological study to figure out why in the heck is this happening? And who is it that it's happening to? And they figured out that there are really two roles at that time back in the 1950s in the transportation industry. You had the drivers and you had the ticket takers. The drivers, you mentioned the term sedentary earlier, the drivers were sedentary all day. They were sitting. Whereas the ticket takers, it was not high intensity interval training. It was just up and down the stairs of a double-decker bus taking people's tickets. Can you guess which half was having the heart attacks? Oh, the the, the drivers. Yeah, the drivers. Sitting, the drivers were the ones bums. having the heart attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the 1950s was when exercise physiology was born. And that's where we got the the concept of we need to burn this many calories. We need to be this active, like the ticket takers. And that translated to having three to five days a week of 30 to 60 minutes of exercise and we've since had other research like the HIIT training and things like that. But that's where a lot of that was born. And even the lower intensity exercise, just ticket taking, that type of activity, you see a decrease in cardiovascular disease, obviously from that particular study. You see a decrease in cancer risk. You see an increase in muscle mass. You see bone density continuing to be maintained. You see an increase in an improvement in your gut health and in your digestion. So yeah, all of those aging parameters that we worry about, just getting active, even at a level like a ticket taker is going to help. Wow. So it's, um, you, you don't have to do something too unpleasant. You don't have to suffer too much. I think that's the key to doing it regularly on, a, on an ongoing basis. There has to be an element yes. of enjoyment and fun to it, doesn't it? Yes. And some people enjoy the high intensity interval training and it has a lot of benefits. So I'm not saying don't do that, but it's you find what works for you. For some people that works for other people, it's it's doing you know, a few minutes here and there throughout the day. Yes. So you have to analyze, I guess, your own lifestyle to see what can fit in better with your work life schedule. Um, yes. And, you know, if you, if you, um, if you don't like swimming, don't do swimming, find something that you can do. I, I, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people do a lot of jogging because first of all, it's free. I mean, you just need a good pair of shoes and off right. you go. Uh, you know, but they could be in the middle of the city, breathing in all the smog. And, you know, they might be, or, you know, the pavement is not good for your joints on the long term, is it, to pound along the the, the concrete. Um, and over time, it, it takes its toll on the, on the joints. So um, does an exercise physiologist help people work out perhaps some better alternatives that fit in with their lifestyle? according to perhaps their age and their, if they have maybe have a disability of some kind, uh, how, how does one work out if they've never experienced a type of exercise before that they might like that? Where, who do they go to, to, or what do they do to mm -hmm. find out what the choices are? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a wonderful question. Having, you mentioned having an exercise physiologist work with you, that is either like I'm an exercise physiologist and a certified personal trainer. So when clients come to me saying like what you've just described, 
the last time I exercised was in high school phys ed and, and I did swimming and I hated it or, you know, whatever it is, finding out your fitness personality. And I have a quiz that people can take to find out their fitness personality that I developed. And I'm happy to share that with everybody listening. Just shoot me an email. And you also want to look at, you mentioned joints, age, history, if there are any medical issues, taking all of that into account, but also really taking into account what do you like? And if you don't know what you like, using that fitness personality, also finding out what is your time? It's, you mentioned in the introduction, Sandy, there are people who are like, I really love to do X, Y, Z, but I've got kids soccer games after, after school. And I've got these work demands that I need to work a little bit at home after my normal work hours and all these things going on, I don't have time. So it's enjoyment. It's time. It's looking at all of that together. Yes. It's, it's really a difficult juggle often, isn't it? Because we have a busy lifestyle and I think this happens to women a lot. They feel like they need to cater for everyone else first and then leave themselves last. (laughs) And then oh. there's no time. They're so totally exhausted by the end of the day. All they can look forward to is sleep. Let me get into the bed, you know, just want to close yes. my eyes because tomorrow's yes. another day and I have to get up early and this has to be done and that has to be done. So how, how does someone go through that checklist and picks? Give me an example, perhaps a case study of how you were able to help someone change their life without giving something else up that they have to do every day. Oh, I love this. I love this question. So in my book, Go Forward, I describe three ways. I've I've categorized movement in three ways. And I'll share those with you and then tell you about one of the clients I worked with who fit the unusual one. So you have solo shots. That is what we tend to normally think of as exercise. I'm setting aside this hour and 15 minutes to go to the gym and work out and all that. So that is a and, and very then, valid form of exercise. Yeah. And, and then I have to change my clothes because yes. I don't want to get sweaty in my nice clothes. And then I have right. to have a shower and then I have to get dressed again. So there's like 50% is exercise and the other 50% is getting yes. ready, getting there, coming back, etc. Yes. Yes. Very and some people consuming. enjoy that. Yeah. Some people enjoy that and it's part of their lifestyle and they meet their friends there and it's, it's great. So there's that option. Then there is what I call short shots. And this is where you've got a 10 minute walk break at lunch. You're not going hard enough to get super sweaty. You just take off your dress shoes, put on a pair of comfy comfy shoes and go walk. It's the 10 minute walk after dinner. It is like one of my clients who I loved this for her strength training on her leg day. It was one of those soccer things where got to take the kids to soccer after work and then get home and have dinner late, all this stuff. She's like, how am I going to fit this in? So we look at her schedule and we see that in the time that she's dropping her kids off with soccer and staying for the games and the practice, they have about a 15 minute warm up time that they're, you know, they don't care if mom's watching during that. So lunges in the parking lot, squats in the parking lot, Your body doesn't, one of my big slogans for my clients is your body doesn't care where it moves. It doesn't care how it moves. It just wants to move. Oh, what about people who are embarrassed about others looking at them doing their squats? You go, you go, you go behind the cars where nobody can see you. (laughs) 
Um, so another one with short shots, this was just such a beautiful thing with one of my clients. She had high cholesterol, diabetes. Well, she was pre-diabetic. Uh, she had pre-diabetes. She had all these medical health things beginning to creep up and happen. And she's like, I want to get control of this. But this was her scenario, Sandy. She had her own business that she was running and that was full-time, you know, daylight to dusk kind of thing. Yep. She had her own family. Yes. All the hats. She had her own, you know, she had her family stuff. She also had an extended family member that was a special needs um, situation. Wow. And she was Ooh. the primary caregiver and coordinating for all of it. So she had all these things going. She's like, I don't have an hour and 15 minutes to go to the gym and there's no window, but she was able to find five or 10 minutes before breakfast. She was able to find, oh, you know, that 10 minute time in the, in midday, when my brain just shuts down, I can go walk during that. Um, I've got a puppy instead of just letting the dog out, I'll go walk the dog for five minutes. So she did these short shots, little five, 10 minute things. Sandy, she lost, she got off medications, lost four dress sizes, all this stuff. And she never went to a gym and did this full blown thing. It was five minutes here, 10 minutes there, just all adding up. The other one is step shots. So this is where you are a story on this for myself was when I was at Vanderbilt Medical Center, I was in, in our department, in our building, I was in one side of the building and the copy room and the lunch room were in another side of the building. And this was not a massive building. This was just a, a normal little size building. Then I moved offices. I moved offices to the front of the house, quote unquote, and it was by the copier room and by the break room, by the lunchroom. And I started noticing, I didn't pick up on what was going on, but I started noticing Sandy. I was like, how is it at the end of the day, I'm 2000 steps less. I'm a full mile less. I was like, I park the same place. My routine hasn't changed nothing. And it finally dawned on me. I was walking a mile a day back and forth to the copier and to get water or whatever in the break room. So Combining all of that, combining steps, how you just accumulate movement through the day, standing instead of sitting, things like that, and then short shots really make up if you don't, if you don't get to the gym to do a solo shot. Yeah, so there's a big push to try and save uh, people time, but sometimes we need that extra time, don't we, to squeeze it out for ourselves. I'm thinking about people working, choosing to work from home if they can, instead of, you know, commuting to another office outside and then commuting back home again. And that makes sense that you're not wasting time sitting in traffic. Um, but but what, what's happening is that people are becoming more productive because they're not squeezing out the little sandwich bits in between for themselves. You know, they managed to get still a toilet break in, but now, you know, I've got a Zoom call coming, I've got someone you know, a, an appointment looming and, you, you know, they're like still cramming everything in now to a bigger time space and still depriving themselves. So how how do they organize a routine? How do you help them work out? Is it written down? Do they have a manual? How, how do they start to formalize and go, 
it's not, so it's not random. It's got to be something repetitive, routine, regular, and and they've got to stick to a timetable or a schedule, do they? The first step of that is the acceptance and acknowledgement that we actually are not as productive as we think we are when we are going back to back to back without those breaks. We think because we're going from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting and have the email open and are going from this to that, that we're being productive. But research is actually really clear that when you, on the day, this actually came out of Bristol University a few years ago, they looked at people on days that they exercised, the same people on days that they exercised versus days that they did not. The days that they exercised, they were 21% better in their concentration and 22% better able to meet deadlines. So we think that I'm getting all this stuff done and being more productive, but have you ever heard of the Pomodoro technique? No. Okay. So this is actually a brain training and a workflow technique where when they did the research, they found that your brain can really hone in and focus in and do deep work for anywhere from about 45 minutes to an hour and a half at a time. And then it begins to wander. So you've ever had one of those times that you're sitting there cranking through emails and then next thing you know, you're ordering something off of a website and you're like, how did I land here? What, what's, lost I, I felt like I was thought. doing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah train of thought, fo- all of it. Lost the focus. Um, and yeah, so it's not a matter so of just so that's getting the, up. That's the first part. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just getting up to go to the toilet. You, you've got to move your body and rehydrate. Um, long periods yes. of concentration. See, the brain uses up more energy than any other organ in the whole body. It's got a lot of electrical yes. activity, a lot of metabolism. And so it, it's more water starved than any other yes. part of the body. And if you don't pay attention, which can happen if we don't um, take those breaks to go, oh, actually I'm thirsty. <laughs> or mm-hmm. Some, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even register that you're thirsty, but if you've got it in your routine to keep drinking, because the thirst mechanism can go in people that shouldn't always just yes. rely on thirst because uh, it may not be reliable. But if you're starting to get brain fog symptoms or headaches or um, low energy fatigue, uh, that can all be a sign that the brain is just dehydrated, l- lacking Absolutely. in water and minerals, especially magnesium. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, and actually that's one of the tips that I give my clients is drink more water and you will move more because you will have to take more of those toilet breaks. Well, actually, if there are electrolytes in the water compared to demineralized water, it goes mm-hmm. through the body more slowly because it has slowly, better, yes. better cellular access when the minerals are present. Uh, if you have demineralized water just from the filter without any minerals in it, it just goes in and out very quickly, yes. not necessarily getting absorbed into the tissue cells. Like your muscle cells need a lot of water as well yes. for expansion and contraction and doing their work. Um, and without enough water, it's easy to get cramps. And so you need the magnesium mm-hmm electrolytes inside the water to prevent those cramps uh, when you're moving 
Um, so everything is dependent really on water and minerals at the base level, isn't it? At the cellular mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. And the, the question that you ask about how do we set up a routine within that busy day? Yes. There are a couple of different ways to do that. One is putting in little hacks and tricks, like making sure that you're drinking enough water because when you are well hydrated, you are going to use the restroom more. Another one is, um, the, of course, I, I completely, I, I do mineral water, so I completely get what you're saying on that. The laptop risers or a desk or a standing desk is another way, just kind of a little trick, a hack to make sure that you're getting in more movement. Because right now, as we're talking and I'm standing, I'm moving around a little bit. And I'm, I'm not, also having I'm on to, my bum. That's <laughs> okay. That's on a okay. Chair. <laughs> I'm and gonna... you know what, if there's, you don't have to stand the whole time. And so you're going to be up walking and moving around later on today. So it's, yep. it's just about finding the little ways to help that. So if you're standing, you are going to be engaging the core to keep your balance, things like that. So those, there are some little ways, but as far as a routine, it is looking at what works best for a person and their workflow. But always I recommend people think about the Pomodoro technique of if I'm going to be focused in doing something for, let's say, an hour, hour and a half. At that point, I need to set a timer to remind me to get up and move because blood flow to the brain starts slowing down at 30 minutes of sitting. Mm. Fat metabolism in the body is begins heading toward 90% less effective after 30 minutes of sitting. Wow. There's also, and I don't want to scare anybody with this. There's also gene expression that it doesn't, how do I describe this? It doesn't tell your body, Hey, start breaking down muscle. It's more like at 30 minutes, the body begins to go, Hey, do I really need these muscles? I'm, I'm sitting, I'm not moving. I'm, do I really need them? So there's just the begins to some things that happen. So really 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes at the most, you just want a little trigger to say, stand up or walk to the copier or walk to the toilet or just walk around and look outside at a window, look, look outside a window and get some sunshine in your eyes to boost your serotonin, which is going to help you feel good and then go back to work. So you don't have to take long to reset those things, but you do need to be up moving. And then from a scheduling standpoint, big movement things would be lunch breaks, a mid-afternoon break. If you feel your energy dip in the afternoons is to go set like a little 10 minute walk, something like that. And then after work as a mental break so that you can, one of the things that happens when we work from home is there's no commute home. So there's no delineation between this is my brain's time to work on work. And this is my brain's time to relax at home. We're still around everything. Yeah. We could sort of walk around the house a few times, do a few laps. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. So, so there's, a, when you said the trigger, so the, the body's um, movement squeezes the muscles which is a stressor and that stress triggers more cells to be um built to accommodate that level of use 
So that's what training yes. is all about. We train, we squeeze those muscles so that they stay strong because we keep building with the amino acids, the proteins necessary to build those muscles. And if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. So that's just a summary. But the other thing I wanted to address in the movement is that we're also moving the lymph system, which doesn't have its own pump like the bloodstream has the heart yes. to pump the blood. The lymph system, which is a protein waste detox system, it eliminates wastes, um, depends on muscle movement for it to move and shift the wastes out. So by not moving, we're not detoxing either. And, and that creates acidic uh, cell, cellular environments which breed bad bacteria so that pushes the immune system down so you can also get sicker by not moving yes. right yes in fact i had a gentleman that i do training for companies on workplace wellness type topics and a gentleman had not come to one of the trainings that i had done because they didn't make it mandatory totally cool and he ended up sandy in the er because of the type of things that you're talking about and the doctor told him it's just because you're moving from your bedroom to your office and then at night you go from your office to your bedroom you're not moving any and the owner of the company she's like how in the world you know did he not do this because you just talked about this in your last seminar and I said well he was one of the ones who chose not to come so he ended up in the ER and do you need a certain amount of um, heart rate? Do you measure your heart rate to, you know, um, get it to a certain level where you know it's achieving a lot? Is there a certain time of a certain heart rate or, or you know, the beats per minute that we need to look at to make sure that we're not <laughs> cheating, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. It- And it goes back to the solo shot, short shot, and step shots. So if you are looking at your fitness level, if you are looking at certain things you want to do in your brain, so like we mentioned early on about high-intensity interval training, high-intensity interval training stimulates certain parts of the brain and shuts down certain parts of the brain. So depending on, I've got high-performance clients um, that I work with, not high performance from a physical standpoint, but in their work, they are, they're really career driven and wanting to do their best and grow their businesses or, or climb the career ladder, things like that. And they want to get the most out of everything that they can. Optimal. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To optimal, to optimize those things. So for that type of goal, 100% we need to have certain times that we do get our heart rate up to 80% of your maximum heart rate or 90% of your maximum heart rate or 70% of your maximum heart rate. But going back to the London bus driver study, those guys that were not having the heart attacks, they were just strolling up and down, walking up and down one little flight of stairs. It wasn't anything super intense. So if you're looking at, Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking at just general health, general anti-aging, then don't worry about the heart rate. Moderate is better. Yeah. If on the other hand, you've got something specific that you're training for from a fitness standpoint or from a brain standpoint, then we do need to look at, okay, some of the workouts do need to pump it up a little bit. Yeah. So really just to summarize, um, small but regular is the key. Small but yes. regular intervals. 
and incorporate it into the lifestyle. And yes. I, I was going to mention before also the importance of sunshine. So, it, I mean, you don't have to spend too much time outside. We have to be careful that sun has a lot of UV these days, but we do need some sunshine exposure that also contributes a lot to the immune system, to the bones and muscles. We need to have a lot of magnesium. Uh, magnesium and yes. sunshine help us sleep better at night. During night, your muscles and bones or your tissue cells repair and the body cleans itself out. You get the brain um, recovers because it produces melatonin. So lots of good things happen in a deep sleep. Yes. And so your pattern of behavior every day needs to have a kind of holistic balance, doesn't it? And so we haven't even covered the elements of nutrition. That's probably a whole other interview. But um, mm -hmm. so, so for the focus being on movement, um, I think we've covered a lot of things, but would you like to just summarize or add something that you think we may have forgotten in this particular podcast? Well, I will. This has been wonderful. We've covered so much. Um, I will tag on a little bit with your sleep of getting the magnesium, which thank you very much for providing magnesium. I do magnesium foot soak most nights to help me sleep and the sunshine because of the serotonin. Well, the other piece that will help the sleep is the exercise. There was a study out of Stanford University where they looked at, they divided a, uh, a cohort of people into a control group, which meant they got no intervention. Another group that exercised, this is again, that low intensity, but regular, four walks of 30 minutes each. That was all, wasn't anything major. Four walks of 30 minutes each. They ended up falling asleep in half the time that they used to. And they got an extra hour of sleep beyond what they normally would get. So, you know, these were people who were dealing with some sleep troubles. So that was, that was just one of those things of you go get the sunshine. If you can go outside for a walk at lunch and get your sunshine and get your walk in four days a week. Oh my gosh. The way that it's going to help everything is it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll probably change some lives on just yeah. that point. I suspect a lot has to do with the detox because if the body is not eliminating like it should, then you, you just feel like crap. It's kind of yes. like an alcohol hangover even because that's also another sign of toxicity. Um, you, so you need to drink a lot of mineral water. You need to move your body, even sweat it out if you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes. then, then the body has a much better chance of recovery Um you know, get that crap out. <laughs> yeah. And, and literally to what you just said, taking the literal version of that, just like magnesium helps to relax muscles so that it does help you with bowel movements, exercise also helps to trigger that. So if, if somebody is dealing with constipation, not to end on that note, maybe we need to talk about one more thing. So we're not ending there, but you literally can detox better just by getting your exercise in well that's kind of the end anyway isn't it the end of the a person's body is the end you you need it's a cycle isn't it you know it's like a factory resources go in we produce energy we produce waste products and they have to come out and so if something goes wrong with that system um, and we get blocked we get problems just like a machine uh, we are uh -huh. a biological machine so it's good to understand uh -huh. how it works and then you can manage yes. your own machine better. Yes. So how do people connect with you if they have questions or want to read your book? Where would they go? 
So to connect with me on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, my YouTube videos are Vireo Life, V-I-R-E-O Life. My my podcast is called Real Wellness, R-E-A-L Wellness. And if you would love to get that fitness personality quiz so that you can figure out that component of let's figure out how to fit exercise in for you based on what you would enjoy, just reach out to me, Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, at thevireolife.com and just say fitness personality. I'll know what you want and I'll get it to you. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I really enjoyed that interview and I'm sure people will get a lot out of it. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Sandy. It was wonderful. Okay, bye-bye. I hope you liked this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge and recover.